boss bitch. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm How Lindsay Harper. I'm Rebecca Lieb. I want to know. I'm gonna Tell wait. Tell us about your feelings. I'm just gonna wait five minutes, and you guys can just like unload just in the car, wherever you're gonna be, yeah. and just like let us have it. We will be. We will carry you. This is when we carried you. Exactly on our you shoulders. Know? Exactly. Um, do you ever have conversations with people that aren't there while you're in the shower? Yeah, shower, bed, a lot of car. car. There's a lot of car crying and car talking. You know, I cry in my car Yeah, at least once a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once a week is a win. Yeah. You know, it gets it all out and it makes you feel better. It really does. That's what it's all there for, I guess. It, it does. Uh, I have, uh, I mean, my car is just full of like tears and like coffee. I feel cups. like the movie Cars should have been about mm-hmm. what car, like what we can cars make, we can re- Should we make, remake Cars? <laughs> I think so. Like <laughs> that we're saying? a live action Cars. Okay. Am yeah. I, With just starring us. Our cars? I will be a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be my be? car. <laughs> my car. Civic. Playing. The saddest car you've ever seen. It is. It's pretty. It's really. It's real sad. But it's got some duct tape holding mm-hmm. on some things. A mirror that's missing. Mm-hmm. It's true. It smells like mildew because um one time my door got pushed the wrong direction and so now it doesn't seal completely so whenever it rains even even though infrequently in los angeles it gets in my car and it smells like bildale i'm probably gonna die god i recently uh had some leftovers and i put it in my car and i left it there overnight because i got real drunk Uh uh-huh next morning i went to my car and it smelled like chicken soup oh that was kind of nice actually yeah kind of (laughs) homey it's kind of comforting Anyway, I cried in it. <laughs> Did you still eat the soup? What the chicken remnants? Yeah, the boiled, the boiled uh, chicken. No, but it it was a, a struggle. It was like, Not do I it. like this is this meal was eighteen dollars? Like, do I throw it out? Right. Or some roasted carrots? Are they still good? For chicken, that, that that's got to be fancy chicken. Jones. Oh, it, yeah. I have some things to say about Jones, but I won't. Yeah. Yes. You can, you can fucking. One time. I'll I'll carry you. I bought a lobster roll, (laughs) which was stupid. Uh It was their special Mm -hmm. and it sounded delicious. And Mm -hmm. you know what specials, they don't have a price on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh oh. That was a goddamn like $30 lunch. And Mm -hmm. I was so upset about it. Not Joan's fault. It's my fault Mm -hmm. for not asking, Mm -hmm. but whatever. I'm over it. it. I'm totally over it. It's not a big deal. Oh God, we're going to lose so many followers from this conversation. Just right now, right this instant. People (laughs) are like, goodbye. I just left. (laughs) I'm no longer here. I floated away like an orb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dreamy. Like, remember, I always reference this episode of The Simpsons, but do you remember the episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns (gasps) floats around the town and he says, I am loud. And he comes out, they come out of the woods. Yes. How do we all, like that, I feel like that is such a popular Simpsons episode for us to have on our consciousness. I watched it after school every day from like age eight Mm -hmm. to, I don't know, 15. And that is the only one that I can always remember. Oh my God. With the, and it's something about the plant, like something about the plant made him that. Yeah, like he's... Some I yeah, yeah I don't know that Sammy's one in like, the time kinda. that Homer almost you remember when Homer almost cheated on Marge I don't remember that with the hot lady you remember oh Sammy? the bowling wait she was a bowler they I bowl think together? so so that was a she was one. like she was like a hot version of Homer but a woman fuck they would both be like oh. I <laughs> that was pretty good oh I can't. <laughs> Oh. oh, I just remember every episode where there's a beetle on it. Oh, right. There's a couple Ringo, episodes. Yeah, Ringo, Paul McCartney. I mean, I think all I three think all did, yeah. were on it. Speaks to the to that to the youth to the youth. Um, speaking of old episodes of shit, 
um we we got some older boss bitches we want to share yeah uh, with you some lost boss bitches lost boss bitches that's what we're calling it what's we're going with it we're gonna go with it we hope you enjoy yeah we think you will yeah but we're scared we're very scared we're always scared that's why we cry in our cars exactly don't deny it exactly um do you want to start or do you want me to i will because i feel like uh you should go second so people will forget after i butcher um a lot of these spanish names oh well i have french names (laughs) not in this one so it doesn't Uh matter (laughs) just at some point in my life i'm gonna talk about french names (laughs) okay so here we go i love it uh this is uh Juana Inez de la Cruz. I don't think that was butchered at all. Thank you. We'll see how it goes. I got <laughs> I got a little more time to say that. Okay. So, um, she was a self-taught scholar, a philosopher, a poet, and a nun of the Baroque school. And she wrote a little bit of smut. Like Good she for her. Was all over the place. Wait, she was a nun and she wrote smut. Yes. The, uh, she would write. She was in this Hieronymite a sect of nut where it was more about like stimulation intelligence so, like uh-huh. they kind of like left her to her own devices so she wrote some like very racy stuff just sitting there like a nun and That's she was amazing. like yeah so they called her the 10th muse the phoenix of america the mexican phoenix um because she lived in a colonial colonial era when mexico was still part of spain so it's like very spanish um but she's kind of considered i mean she's spanish but she's considered is that right? But she's considered um, Mexican? No, sorry. She is born in Mexico, but it was so Spanish that Got it's like it. kind of both cultures kind of own her or mm-hmm. claim her. Um, so she was born Juana Inés de Aspaye y Ramirez de Santillana. Oh, my God. That's a lot um, of names. Outside of Mexico City. <laughs> she was the illegitimate child of a Spanish captain um, and a Criolla woman. Um her dad was gone, which feels like a theme kind of where it's like the dad like pieces out. And yeah. the girl's like, well, I guess I just have to fucking be amazing because my dad's because gone. I don't have a dad. <laughs> he, um, I wasn't good enough for him to stick around. Well, guess what? I am mm-hmm. the Phoenix. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, as a child, she often hid in the chapel and just like read her grandfather's books. Like she would just like read books all day. Something forbidden to girls. Uh, she learned how to read and li- write Latin at the age of three. What? I didn't know how to chew at the age of three. And no. She was writing I and reading. I couldn't tie Latin, my shoes for right? sure. We were useless. Um, by five, she reportedly could do accounts like bookkeeping. <laughs> and at it, five? Yeah, at five. I still can't do bookkeeping. I know. I'm 31 years old. I know, I know we can't. We're, we're, <laughs> we're garbage. useless. We're garbage. Humans. This is supposed to make us feel bad reading yeah, this. Yeah, that's exactly why we're doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Good. At age eight, she composed a poem on the Eucharist. Uh, by adolescence, she had mastered Greek law. I don't know what they mean by master. I want to say like advanced but like mastered anyway what am i saying she was amazing (laughs) Uh, she mastered greek logic and age 13 she was teaching latin to children she also learned the aztec language um of nahuatl and wrote short poems in that language no big deal that's what she did as a 13 year old girl for fun just for fun just whatever um, then she went to live in Mexico City. She wanted to disgu- disguise herself as a male student so that she could enter the university. She was not allowed to do this, so she just kept on studying privately. Uh, she was a lady in waiting for a while, and she was like, mm. "But then, what does it mean yeah. to be a lady in waiting? You're just waiting for a dude to be like, yeah, I guess you're good. Yeah, yeah you see, you're you're not 25. Ugh, I'll marry you. Right? <laughs> you <know>? Like <laughs> so old. Right? Awful. Um, yeah, I think that means like you're in the court. Uh, and so she came under the, the tutelage of this guy named Viserine Lenore Carreto. 
sorry, a woman, not a guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, and she wanted to test at this point, she was 17 and she wanted to test this, like this crazy, like savants knowledge. So she invited theologians and a bunch of people to a meeting. So they just like tested her on shit. Like Seriously? all kinds of literary subjects and like this and that. Um, so they just like threw questions at her. Yeah. And she was like, I guess I'll answer them. Um, and then everyone was astonished. Um, and they started like people started hearing about her, about this like genius, like 17, like teenager right. lady in waiting who was just like hanging out, but was also a genius. Um, and instead of like being like, let's put her to use, they were like, well, I don't know. Let's just have her hang. Like, they were like, no one was like, we should do something. We should like give her a job to make the world better. Yeah. Um, but then, but her, her reputation led her to like have a relationship with Isaac Newton. Like people were interested in her, even though like the world wasn't really like, everyone was like, whoa, okay. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, like great. Um, she basically, I mean, she got a bunch of marriage proposals and mm-hmm. that was like the biggest effort that she like the biggest thing that came out of like acknowledgement this notoriety. Of and so then she eventually was just like, fuck it. I'm going to a, like a ladies monastery, a nun- nunnery. <laughs> yeah. We she was like, it. you know what? I don't want to marry all this is bullshit. This is garbage. So she went in 1669. She entered the monastery of her nuns, um, which had relaxed rules. Again, a lot of like intellectualism. It kind of like felt like a good, fit because she was like i don't want to get married to these guys nobody gives a shit about me i just Mm want to like study for the rest of my life um and uh write poetries and like kind of like slutty plays and things so she wrote these things called these pieces called the dream pawns of the house love is more labyrinth and they were like erotica it was like 1600s erotic uh works um across the board um, and she did I'm that. I'm my hands on some of those. Right? Hello. Ooh, <laughs> just for later. A wooga. That's right. Um, and then she had a couple of patrons, uh, like the viceroy and viceroyne from the court from mm-hmm. earlier, and, and like a small, like, kind of culty following. But then she just, like, got some stuff published in Spain and, again, like, had this notoriety, but it was all her. Like, it was all fueled by her. And then she died. Damn. I know. How we? I mean, I guess mm-hmm. not knowing about her makes total sense because people just people thought, mean, oh, we yeah. have this really cool chick. Too bad. Yeah. Too bad we can't like do anything else other, other than just like see how smart she is. Yeah, exactly. What's her name again? Her name not is to make you say it again. Uh, uh, Juana Inez de la Cruz. Juana Inez de la Cruz. Yeah. Awesome. And she was pretty badass. And her writing is is good. I mean, it's like. Again, like, I don't know about the translations or anything like that, but, like, it's good. Like, it is. it is. It's very, like, like saucy and, like, smart. Nice. Yeah. We'll put some up on the Instagram. We will. Maybe a good headshot yeah, of her. Absolutely. <laughs> like, a, like, a, like, a, like a zany commercial yeah. one. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. She's fucking rad. She's awesome. Yeah. Did you have her? Yeah, I had the same one. <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> completely different actually um i have bobby gibb yeah uh bobby gibb is a woman mm-hmm. b-o-b-b-i that's how you know cute also her genitalia gives it away <laughs> uh but bobby gibb was the first woman to have run the entire boston marathon <gasps> now Ooh. not to be confused with Catherine switzer mm-hmm. who, who she what do you remember the 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 uh 
<laughs> the picture of the woman being attacked by a race official. Yeah, wearing the number. Yeah, Boston Marathon. Well, we're gonna put That's that on the Catherine Instagram. Switzer. Okay. She okay. She was the first woman to run with registered numbers. Okay. Bobby did not register. Um, why? Do we know why? So she, okay. she was born in Massachusetts. Well, first of all, women were not. I, I have this in here somewhere. But women back in the day, I think doctors thought their uterus would fall out, <laughs> so they were not. Camera and the they uterus. were not allowed to run long distances. Oh I God. think the longest competitive race for a woman was like one point two miles or some bullshit like that. Do you kind of wish that still people still absolutely? That? I hate cardio. <laughs> like Bobby ruined it for us all. God damn. <laughs> Um, so she was born and raised in Massachusetts. And this is my favorite fun fact about Bobby Gibb. Her love of running started with running through the woods with neighborhood dogs. Yeah, baby. So she was just like a, a, a just like Artemis. Feral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she like, was she was like um, a Tarzan, but with dogs mm-hmm. and a woman. Yeah. So her running eventually included the daily commute mm-hmm. of eight miles to school, mm-hmm. and she ran in red. Red Cross nurses' shoes because there were no running shoes available for women at the time. She's also the smelliest kid. She was just like, showers? What are those? I'm at school. Eight miles there, eight miles back. <laughs> oh, so so here's a little backstory on women's competitive distance running. Cool. Before 1966, the longest amateur athletic union or AAU sanctioned race for women was a mile and a half. What did I say? 1.2? Mm-hmm. So I'm, You're I'm a genius. A couple points. Until 1972, when the Women's Division Marathon opened. Between 1966 and 1971, several women ran it, but were not sanctioned. They were retroactively, God, that's a really hard word, retroactively recognized once Bobby started the trend of running it despite being unsanctioned. So um, she found out about the Boston Marathon. She was like, I can do that. Mm -hmm. So she trained for two years. Uh, she sometimes ran as many as 40 miles a day. And guess what? Her uterus didn't fall out of her body. Mm-hmm. So y'all were well, wrong. Science. Um, and <laughs> she also ran it in nurse's shoes. <laughs> what the fuck? That detail is like, also makes me think she might be a serial killer. Right? <laughs> She's like, I must wear these shoes. Um, so let's see. Um, when she wrote an application letter to the race, Will Cloney, Mm-hmm. He told her that women, uh, a woman that was capable of running 40 miles at a time, that women were not physiological, physiologically capable of running marathon distances. That's when she was just like, okay, I have to do this because it's really important to prove mm-hmm. that women can run. Yeah. She was living in San Diego at the time and she took the bus for three nights and four days back to Boston. Whoa. She arrived the day before the race to her parents' house and the following morning on April 19th, 1966, her mother just dropped her off at the start of the line. Oh, she's like, bye, honey. Good luck. Run. Good. Now, this is really going to um, play into the nurse's shoes of it all. She wore her brother's Bermuda shorts Mm -hmm. and a blue hooded sweatshirt. Holy shit. She was not getting laid on this run. (laughs) No. (laughs) A blue hooded sweatshirt over a tank top swimsuit. Mm hmm. And hid in the bushes near the start. <laughs> okay. After the start gun was fired, she let about half the pack go ahead um, of her before jumping in and doing her best to blend in in her Bermuda shorts. Oh, my God. And bathing suit. Um, the other racers surprisingly realized she was a woman um, shortly mm-hmm. after she was like, I'm a man. I'm, I'm a, a man. man. She just got jogging. The chant jogging. of I'm a man kind yeah, of they were like, her away. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> they encouraged her to take off her sweatshirt instead of hide, which... Uh, my brain goes two ways i'm like that's so nice that they're mm-hmm. like we want you to we want to see that you're a woman but mm-hmm. i'm also like 
We want to see. We want to see woman. that you're a woman <laughs> running in a bathing suit. Um, as the race continued, word spread that a woman was running for the first time in history. Mm-hmm. Diane Chapman Walsh, who would later become the, the president of Wellesley College, was there that day. And this is her account. That was my senior year at Wellesley. As I had done every spring since I arrived on campus, I went out to cheer the runners. But there is something different about that marathon day. Like a spark down a wire, the word spread to us um, lining the route that women that a woman was running the right, the course. For a while, the quote-unquote screech tunnel fell silent. We scanned face after face in breathless anticipation until just ahead of her, through the excited crowd, a ripple of recognition shot through the lines and we cheered as we never had before. We let out a roar that day, sensing that this woman had done more than just break the gender barrier in a famous race. Mm. I don't know why, but that really chokes me up. Yeah, I'm getting chills. I know, right? It's insane that this was not a possibility before this. Yeah. Um, she finished the race in three hours and 21 minutes and 40 seconds ahead yeah. of fucking two third of the race's runners. So Woo! get a girl. That's right. Um, nurse's shoes. God. And nurse's shoes. Bermuda shorts. City. <laughs> and a tank top. A bathing suit tank top. Oh, I love it. Um, a like a tankini? Basically. Okay. That's what I'm going to go with. There's a picture of her. She's, she looks like a model in a bathing suit running a marathon it's amazing um let's focus on her looks everybody i know i feel i regret (laughs) saying that thing about getting laid earlier i was like that's a cheap joke for our podcast because we are the highest level of decorum yeah as we all know yeah i think we're doing just fine get laid everyone get laid in bermuda shorts anyone Anyone, everything is possible you know what i love you all you're all beautiful exactly you're beautiful bright stars and we love you Mm -hmm. um she ran again the next year along with Catherine Switzer, who experienced the infamous number incident, as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. But Bobby was not similarly bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, in the years to follow, up to 1972, the number of unsanctioned women runners grew. In 1972, Nina Koskik, mm. mm, that's mm. it, was the winner of the first officially san- sanctioned women's division event. And um, let's see, in 1996, the 100th running of the Boston Marathon and the 30th anniversary of her first run, Gibb was finally recognized for her three unsanctioned winning runs in 1966, 1967, and 1968. Mm. Her name was inscribed with the other winners on the Boston Marathon Memorial in Copley Square. Mm. And then, in t- oh, this is really sweet. In 2016, she was the Grand Marshal for the race. Oh. And that year's female winner at Seda Besa gave Gibb her trophy. Um, and Gib pledged to go to Basa's home country of Ethiopia to return it to her. Oh. Women working for women, y'all. Oh my God, I love that. Um, outside of running, Gib is also extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't she be? Mm-hmm. She studied and received her Bachelor of Science from the University of San Diego, mm-hmm. fulfilling a pre-med requirements with a major in philosophy and minor in mathematics, like you oh, do. Yeah. Um, she, was, she said she was denied entry to medical school because of her gender. So Mm -hmm. she pursued law instead. She was just like, cool. I'm still extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Um, She was admitted to the Massachusetts State Bar in 1978 and worked as a lawyer while raising her family. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 1982, she was inducted into the Roadrunners Club of America Long Distance Running Hall of Fame. It would be ridiculous if she never was. Mm -hmm. Um, And she wrote a memoir called Wind Wind in the Fire, a personal journey that's being developed into a movie, mm. which I am going to try to read eventually. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and she's probably one of our only lost boss bitches that is uh, still alive. Yeah. Um, but she is. And she currently pursues a career in art and writes on a wide range of topics, including economics, spirituality, the nature of natural systems, mm-hmm. yep. and the phenomenon of subjective experience. I don't do. know what that is. Oh, God. Um, I know we're not supposed to feel bad when we do these. We're supposed to feel, like, empowered. But right. like, holy shit, these achiever women who just fucking it's, kill it. Like, I can't find the time to move my body once a day no she runs marathons and then writes about the phenomenon mm-hmm. of subjective experience mm-hmm. and like lawyers and art stuff yeah. too like, also meh. wanted to go to medical school yeah had the prereqs yeah but a vagina yeah um and recently she joined the cecil b day neuromuscular laboratory as an associate mm-hmm. working to find the causes and cures for the for neurodegenerative diseases specifically God damn it. Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Whoa. Because nothing screams retirement like writing about amprothromotic <laughs> lateral sclerosis, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh. Um, God. Yeah. So she's a badass. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, running. I mean, it's just it's interesting, like the entry points, too, for these people to I mean not that they have a ton of notoriety that's why we talk about them but right. like the point to their achievement you know it's like the point of entry for her was just like running a ton as a kid right you know like and, what gets and you? realizing that the fact that she was not allowed to run mm-hmm. was her time to get in there yeah you know like people are like don't move your body yeah like it's actually bad you will you we're gonna oppress you in every way in every way we can because even though we know nothing about your anatomy we're Mm -hmm. sure it's going to fall out of your vagina exactly it's just it's loose in there yeah it's it's just a couple of marbles just jumbling around (laughs) just like don't that's absolutely how your body works things are just like loose yeah it's like like a a bowling alley in there Oh my goodness. Um, what do they know? Nothing. 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 So those are our lost boss bitches of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put more info um, up so you can learn more about absolutely. them. Absolutely. We will link to um, the resources we use to talk about these ladies mm-hmm. along with some pictures because we always want to see who we're see, talking about. Yeah. You got to see the face. Put absolutely. A, put a face to a legend. Yeah. You know, and next week we have an interview for you and it's going to be amazing so stay tuned yeah thanks for listening guys thanks bye bye